Well, good morning, everybody. How's everyone doing? You guys feeling good? All right, I'm just trying to gauge the energy of this crowd, all right? 9 a.m., they were hip-hopping, all right? So listen, I love feedback in the message. Are you guys feeling okay today? All right, there we go. We just set the tone. Hey, uh, we've been in a sermon series called The Thread for the last couple weeks, and we're taking the entire summer looking at the Bible cover to cover for all the way from the book of Genesis uh, to the book of Revelation. And the, really the goal of this message, this sermon series, is to help you give you a better understanding of the Bible, maybe certain timelines, certain events, main themes all across the Bible. And then for you to also give an explanation to someone who might not be as knowledgeable in the Bible. And so that's what we're going to be doing today. We're going to be looking at the prophet books, which are Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and Daniel. So you can turn with me to Jeremiah. That's where we're going to be landing today. And the last two weekends, we've been looking at the nation of Israel. The nation of Israel has become so corrupt, has become sinful, that they have been divided into two kingdoms. One is the northern kingdom, one is the southern kingdom, and has been divided because of their disobedience to God. They are living in rebellion toward God because of the sin. They are not honoring God. Sexual immorality is running rampant throughout the entire nation. And the Bible says that they did evil in the eyes of the Lord. Look what Jeremiah 2.1 It says, I remember concerning you the devotion of your youth, the love of your patrols, your following after me in the wilderness through a land not sown. Israel was holy to the Lord. God was saying, man, you lost your first love. You lost your devotion to me. I remember when it was just me and you and you worshiped me one-on-one, but now you're worshiping other gods. You're committing sexual immorality. All these bad things are happening. I remember when you just worship me. And their lack of love and devotion to God got them to a place where they were not supposed to be or didn't want to be. Ever been there before? Ever been in a situation, a circumstance where you didn't want to be or where you're not supposed to be? This is what happens to the nation of Israel. The nation of Israel ends up into exile for the second time in their history. The first was the Egyptian and now it's the Babylonian exile. They are landing there because of their dishonesty, their uh, their dishonoring to God. And they're living in Babylon now and they've become servants to the empire. They're being taken away from their families. They're being mistreated. It's a dark time for the people. It's a dark time for the nation of Israel. There's so many different things that we can look at in Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and Daniel, but I really just want to focus on each one of these prophets because the prophets was a prophet was really a guy, a man of God who got a word from God to deliver to the people of Israel, to the nation, to the kings. And normally the messages were not really positive. A lot of the messages were from the prophets from God was, hey, get right, get back into right standing with God, turn from your wicked ways, stop sinning or stop something bad is going to happen. And this is what normally the the prophet's messages were. And so this was a job that really nobody wanted. Nobody wanted to be a prophet during this time. People didn't respond well uh, to the people. They didn't really care for what the prophets had to say. They were living in sin and they could care less what the prophets were saying. And so this this is the time that these prophets came in and they start to tell people, hey, it's coming. The exile's coming. You better get back with God. Stop sinning. Turn from your wicked ways. And what I love about all three of these prophets is 
What I found in all three of these prophets is a spiritual principle that they modeled during the tough seasons in ministry. During the tough seasons of life, they modeled a principle that I believe today that we need to model during tough seasons of life, and that is faithfulness. They were faithful to the call, even though it didn't make sense, even though it was hard, even though it was tough, they remained faithful. And that's what we need to get through difficult times is to stay faithful when things don't go the way we expect, to stay faithful to God, even when times are tough, to stay faithful to God in life when life takes a different turn. The title of my message for you today is to stay faithful when times get tough. Stay faithful when times get tough. And I believe this is a word for all of us in this room. Doesn't matter where you are from, where you come from, how much success you have in this life. We all face different challenges and different difficulties in life. And it's how you respond to those difficult seasons in life that determines the character that you have. And it also helps us stay faithful to God in the difficult times. And so let's start with Jeremiah. You're already there. Jeremiah chapter one is where we're going to be going. And the book of Jeremiah, man, it is filled with a lot of content. Uh, um, uh, Content-wise, this is probably one of the largest books of the Bible. 52 chapters uh, this uh, book has, and we're not going to go through all 52 chapters uh, today, but I kind of want to help you understand, give you like three different sections that Jeremiah has broken down into because I really want you to study this book for yourself. So the first section is Jeremiah 1, which is the preparation, right? This is where God calls Jeremiah into ministry to be a prophet. The second section is Jeremiah 2 through 51, which are proclamations against Judah and against the nations. And then the last section is chapter 52, which is the prediction. Everything that Jeremiah said to the nation of Israel came to pass, came true. Jeremiah, he was, he was a prophet. He had a 40-year ministry that spanned five different kings. The Bible describes him as the weeping prophet because of some of his writings in Jeremiah, but also some of his writings in Lamentations. He wrote this book, literally Lamentations means to lament, to cry out to God. And this is what he really did. He really mourned for the sins of his people. He mourned for his people because they were living in sin. Jeremiah, he was a prophet who got called as a teenager. God came to him and look what the call that he had on his life. Jeremiah 1, 9 described it. It says this, the Lord stretched out his hand and touched my mouth. And the Lord said to me, behold, I have put my words in your mouth. See, I have appointed you this day over the nations and over the kingdoms. I will put words into your mouth. Like that is God saying to Jeremiah, hey, it's not going to be your words when you speak. It's going to be my words. And when you speak, man, people are going to come to know Jesus. That all sounds great until the tail end of verse 10, which says to pluck up and to break down, to destroy, to overthrow, and then to build in a plant. To block up, break down, to destroy, overthrow. And then Jeremiah gets some like, hey, you're going to build and to plant some stuff. Like the message that Jeremiah is going to give to the people, it's more negative than positive. People are not going to respond well to Jeremiah's message. People don't want to hear a negative message. They want to hear something positive in their life. And the problem is, no one responded to Jeremiah. It was the, he, he found himself addressing a nation that was, in, that was backsliding, that was stubborn, that was ignorant. He was called to be a prophet, not a politician. He was called not to make f- people feel better about themselves. He was called to tell the people, brace 
Brace, brace for impact because the crash is coming. And if you don't get back into right standing with God, you're going to end up in exile. And so he found himself addressing this people. And the reality is Jeremiah's ministry didn't go well for him. Over the 40 years of his ministry, four decades, he didn't see one single conversion. Not one single person turned from their wicked ways. No one listened to him. No one took his words seriously. No one cared for him. They disliked him because of the things that he said and they didn't respond well. And we would look at that today and see failure. We'd say, well, maybe he shouldn't have gone. Maybe he was too young. Maybe he was too inexperienced. And even though he was God's spokesperson during that time, even though he didn't see immediate results, there was eventual results. Because later on in captivity, in exile, the people would read Jeremiah's writings and they would read how they were living in exile in a hopeless situation. And they would read Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you, plans to give you a hope, and a future. They were reading that as they were in exile, they're saying, okay, God, you really do have a plan for my life. I'm living in sin. I'm living in exile. And you also have a plan for my life. So even though Jeremiah, he didn't see immediate results, there was eventual results. My first point for you today is this, stay faithful in the waiting. Stay faithful in the waiting. Sometimes you don't see the end result but God is still using you to plant seeds of hope into people. And that's what Jeremiah was doing. He was planting the seeds of hope. Even though he didn't see the results immediately, there was eventual results years later. For generations to come, they would read the hope that he put in that book. And waiting is not fun. Can I get an amen? I hate waiting, hate waiting in line, hate waiting for my food, hate waiting in traffic. I'm, I, hate, I hate it all. I hate waiting, hate waiting for Michigan football to beat Ohio State football. But it was good. It was worth the wait. Let me just say that. I've been, listen, I've been kind of gauging you guys where you're at. And I'm like, okay, they, the Ohio State lost, but now I can say something, you know. But, uh, <laughs> but I hate waiting. Spiritually, we hate waiting for God to answer us, right? We were just waiting for God to give us a sign, give us some sort of assurance that he's with us, that he's, that he's got us, that, that, that he's with us. And Jeremiah, man, he was in the waiting game for 40 years, 40 years in his ministry. He preached his heart out every single week to the people. He weeped over the people, over his nations, and he didn't see any results. Not one single person turned from their wicked ways. Write this down because I believe this is so important. Faithfulness and fruitfulness get mixed up. Faithfulness and fruitfulness get mixed up all the time. Jeremiah, he didn't have the luxury of seeing people convert from their wicked ways. He didn't have that luxury to see the results immediately right away. All he had during that 40 years of ministry was the call God had on his life, the calling that he had. Even though it didn't see, he didn't see any results, even though it looked like he wasn't being fruitful, he still carried out the mission God had for him. And let me just say this, maybe some of you are in a position in life right now where it seems like there's no hope. And you're feeling, man, like I, I'm being faithful to God, but I'm really not seeing any fruit for the, for the faithfulness that I have. And I want you to just take heart to Jeremiah because Jeremiah, he persevered through that 40 years. And he stayed faithful in the calling that God had for his life. 
Stay faithful in the waiting. Stay faithful in the waiting. He encountered challenges all the time, economic dishonesty. People made fun of him because of the message that he was giving. One of his messages went like this, Jeremiah 22, 6. says, For thus says the Lord concerning the house of the king of Judah, you were like Gilgad to me, like the summit of Lebanon. Yet most assuredly I will make you a wilderness like cities which are uninhabitable. I will make you a desert. I will make you a desolate city. That was the messages that he was preaching. That kind of preaching doesn't get a guy popular. That kind of preaching kind of gets people a little bit upset. And he's, he, he, he's telling the people this, brace for impact, get right with God. He stayed faithful to God through it all. He was persistent in the message that he gave. He never dismissed others around him, even though people were making fun of him. He never dismissed that. He remained faithful to the call that God had for for his life. Even though the message was unpopular, he remained faithful. If I could sum up the book of Jeremiah and his ministry, it's this. Sometimes success is doing what you know is right, even when it appears it's not working. Even when everything is turning out against you. God called him. And Jeremiah's persistence in, in, in delivering his unwelcoming message for 40 years is amazing. It was an impossible assignment. And let me ask you something. How many of you walked, would have walked away from the calling, the assignment that God had for you? If you didn't see any results after uh, two months, like I would have walked away. I know I would have questioned my calling uh, that God had in my life if I was not seeing any results. And I believe that Jeremiah, during the waiting seasons, he had perseverance. See, too many people have quit. Too many people have given up, have thrown in the towel. And if you're going to make it in life or in anything, you have to have a spirit of resilience. Come what may in my life, I'm going to press forward and keep moving forward with God. And some of you right now, you're in, you're in such a painful season right now. You're in a painful season of waiting, waiting for God to answer you. You've been crying out to God maybe longer than four decades. For years, you've been crying out to God for God to answer you in the waiting season. And let me just give you encouragement because one day you will walk out on the other side of that waiting season with a testimony of God's faithfulness. Stay faithful in the waiting. Stay faithful in the waiting. Persevere. Don't give up. Don't let the lies of the enemy convince you it's impossible or that it's over because we serve a God who can turn an impossible situation and make possible. We serve a God who raised a dead guy, Lazarus, back to life. We serve a God who supersedes everything what the doctors say. Keep pressing forward in the waiting season. Stay faithful to God. Don't give up. Don't quit. Stay faithful. And this is what happens. Listen, I'm a living testimony of God's faithfulness in my life. I, Jessica, my wife and I, we waited three and a half years for God to expand our family. And in those waiting seasons, it was tough, but we didn't quit. We persevered. And look what happens when you don't quit and when you don't persevere. Come on, somebody. God's faithful. Man. She's 10 months right there, and it's been a joy to be a, a dad and parents, and thank you guys for your prayers. But man, I just want to encourage you, those who are in the waiting season, God's faithful. It wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't easy. Let me just say that. It was not easy in the waiting season. But we remained faithful to God during that waiting season. And listen, out of those 52 chapters that Jeremiah has in that book, one thing that sticks out to me is that he was faithful to carry out God's instructions, even though it was hard even though it didn't make any sense. 
And what, Jer- and what God gave to Jeremiah during that waiting season was a great promise. And I love what Jeremiah 1.8 says. Look at the promise. It says, do not be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you, declares the Lord. I am with you. I am with you. I am with you. Remember that in the waiting season that God is with you. He's never left you. He's never forsaken you. He's with you in the waiting season. Sometimes all you have is the calling that God has for your life. See, Jeremiah, he remembered that promise and he remembers back to his calling that he had on his life. He looked back to Jeremiah 1, 5. Look what it says. God said to him, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I have appointed you a prophet to the nations. During that four decades of his ministry, he would go back to that call that God had on his life, that before I even knew you, before I even thought into existence, Jeremiah, I planned your life and I'm with you. I'm faithful to the very end. Stay faithful. Don't give up. Don't quit. Stay faithful in the waiting. All right, so let's flip over to Ezekiel. Flip over to Ezekiel. Ezekiel is another one of those prophet books. Um, I would say Ezekiel is probably something you guys don't read on a daily basis, if I'm just kind of gauging here. But Ezekiel, I'd like reread it a couple times this week to really understand what the, the message was that Ezekiel was trying to say to us. And I believe that some of the lessons that Ezekiel has taught us is that during times, during life, when life doesn't make sense, How can you stay faithful during those times? Ezekiel really gave us some lessons on how to stay faithful to God even when life doesn't make sense. God calls Ezekiel to do some crazy things, all right? Some of those things were Ezekiel, uh, God calls Ezekiel to lay on his one side for six months and then lay on his other side for another six months. God also called him to cook his food over his own feces. Yeah, I'm not making that up. Nasty. Like, but God calls Ezekiel to do some wild things, like some crazy things that make no sense. And Ezekiel, during that time, he faced opposition. He faced false prophets. He faced the whole thing, a stubborn nation. And he had a goal to become a priest. He wanted to become a priest, but he never saw that dream come into reality. Because 11 years into his ministry, the temple was destroyed. And his dreams of becoming a priest were shattered with it. And him and his family and his nation gets exiled into Babylon. How do you obey God when life takes an unexpected turn? How do you obey God in a, in a foreign land when the government is against you, when the value system is all against you? How do you, how do you get to a place where you're not supposed to be, that you didn't plan? My second point for you today is this, stay faithful in the unexpected. Stay faithful in the unexpected. This is not what I expected. How many of you ever thought that or said that before? Come on. This is not what I expected. How did my marriage get to this point? How did my addictions get to this point? How did I end up like this? I'm living plan B when I should be living plan A. And some of you are living plan C and you're just trying to get back to plan B. This is not what we expected. Life sometimes can hit us like that. And it certainly hit Ezekiel for that. Ezekiel found himself in a place that he didn't want to be, where he was not supposed to be. He was living in exile. And his main goal during his ministry was to bring hope to a nation that felt hopeless. They were in exile. They, had, they were fearing that they would never get out of exile. And his main job was to give these visions that God gave him and these visions of hope. And look what one of the visions says in Ezekiel 37. Ezekiel 37 
which is the valley of the dry bones, it says this, the hand of the Lord was upon me and he brought me out of the, by the spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of the valley and it was full of bones. He caused me to pass among them roundabout and behold, there were many, very many on the surface of the valley and lo, they were very dry. He said to me, son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, oh Lord, you know. Again, he said to me, prophesy over these bones and say to them, oh dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, behold, I will cause breath to enter into you that you may have life. I will put sinews on you, make flesh grow back on you, cover you with skin and put breath in you that you may come alive and you will know that I am the Lord. First of all, the valley is a very real place. Ezekiel, this was not a figmentive of his imagination. He had solved this very thing happened to him when he was being exiled from his home nation into exile, into Babylon. He saw hundreds of thousands of his men the na- trying to protect the nation of Israel and they were all dead in the valley. They didn't have a proper burial. And so Ezekiel, it's a, it's a very real place. The valley is a very real place. And the valley for us is a very real place. Some of us have been in a valley for a very long time of discouragement. Some of us have been in a valley of defeat for so many years and we feel like there's no hope, no hope of getting out. You feel stuck in this valley, so deep entrenched into this valley and you feel like, God, where are you? And we often ask God, question God like Ezekiel, God, is there any life left in these bones? Is there any life that you can bring into my situation, into my valley? Oh God, is there any, any breath that you can give into me? Is there any hope? God, where are you? Maybe your valley is the cancer. The cancer is relentless. Maybe your valley is your job. You feel like your job is pointless. Maybe the valley is your marriage. You feel like it's dead. Maybe the valley is the grief. It's so painful and so difficult. And in those valleys, it's difficult. The days are long and the days are difficult. The nights are long. And you're in that valley. God, is there anything left that you can give me? God, where are you in the valley of my discouragement, of my pain? God, where are you? And what God does for you that no one else can for you in the valley, not your counselor, not your spouse, not your kids, what God does for you in the valley that no one else can do is he comes and steps into your valley of discouragement, an impossible valley, an unexpected valley, and he comes in and he breathes resurrection power into your valley where there seemed to be no hope. He brings and brings you hope in the valley. Come on, give God praise for that today. Not just power, but resurrection power into your life, into your valley. Stay faithful to God even in the valley. And what I love, and I love what Ezekiel says, he says this seven times, this phrase seven times. He says, the hand of the Lord is upon me. The hand of the Lord was upon me. Man, I want you to know that the hand of the Lord is upon you in the valley. He's never left you. He's never forsaken you. He's with you in that valley from the start all the way to when you get out of that valley. Ezekiel realized that in his ministry, in his life, that God was with him, that the hand of the Lord was upon him. Sometimes we don't see it. Sometimes we don't understand why unexpected things come into our life. But Ezekiel, he stayed faithful and he knew that the hand of the Lord was upon him. And the hand of the Lord is upon you in your valley. Stay faithful. Don't give up. Don't give up. 
Stay faithful in the waiting. Stay faithful in the unexpected. Let's look at Daniel. Flip over to Daniel here. Daniel is a, is, a, is a sweet guy, a lot of good stories in there. Daniel in the lion's den, you get the fiery furnace. And write this down because this is a really cool thing. Daniel served God for 80 years of his life. 80 years of his life, he faithfully served God. And you're like, okay, that's cool, whatever. But in that time, he served God in a country, in a kingdom that did not believe in the same God he did. He stayed faithful to God even when the whole country was turning their back on the living God. And I believe that Daniel modeled something in his life that we should all model in our life. Daniel, he was faithless, he was faithful and fearless, and God promoted him faster. God promoted him to some pretty high levels in the kingdom. He was faithful to the one true God. He didn't turn his back on God when everyone else was turning their back on God. He was faithful to God and God promoted him to some of the highest levels in the kingdom. And he was able to be able to be a spokesperson for God in a very high position. Why? Because he was faithful. Let me just say this. You might be in a job right now that just seems pointless. And you're like, man, like, I, I'm trying to be faithful to my, to my boss. I'm trying to be faithful to, to my coworkers. I'm just not feeling it. Let me just say this. Faithful, faithfulness doesn't go unnoticed by God. God notices faithfulness. You might not see it or feel it. You might not like where you're in right now. But faithfulness doesn't go unnoticed to God. God notices Daniel's faithfulness. And let me just say this. It was not an easy easy life for Daniel. Just because he was at a high level in, in the kingdom, position and power, it was difficult. Um, look, at, look at the story with me. Daniel 6.16 says this, then the king gave orders and Daniel was brought and cast into a lion's den. And the king spoke and said to Daniel, your God whom you constantly serve will himself deliver you. And a stone was brought and laid over the mouth of the den and the king sealed it with his own signet ring and with the signet rings of his nobles so that nothing could be changed. So the king at this time signs a decree, signs a law into place saying anyone who worships the God, um, another God besides me, will get thrown into the lion's den. And Daniel, he was devoted to God. He didn't quit. He kept praying. He kept faithfully praying to God. And he gets ratted out by his own co-workers. They say, hey, guess what? Daniel's praying and he's not praying to you, O king. And so he ends up in the lion's den. And I find Daniel's faith amazing because if I were him, man, I would have been freaking out. I've been panicking, like what is gonna happen? But he was so devoted to prayer. And I believe prayer shows us where a person's at spiritually and what's going on inside the heart. His heart was completely devoted and faithful to God. He knew that his greatest weapon against the lion's den was prayer. And that's our greatest weapon when we're in the lion's den. Listen, some of us have maybe will never face a real lion, but guess what? We face different kind of lions every single day. Some of us face the lions of accusation. Some of us face the lions of fear or apathy. Maybe the lions of defeat or discouragement, hate or shame, loneliness, temptation. And what gave Daniel the courage to face those lions in the den is he knew whose he was. He was from the tribe of Judah. And God said that God is the lion of the tribe of Judah. He knew that the lions inside of him were far greater than the lions outside of him. Even though he didn't understand why he was in the lion's den, he knew that he could trust God and what he did in that lion's den. He was what he did with his whole life. He prayed, he prayed. How do you not panic? You pray. How do you not stress? 
You pray. How do you not get overwhelmed by life's circumstances? He prays and he worships God. God, I don't know what my future holds, but I know you're holding my future. Doesn't matter what type of lions you face in this life. God, the creator of your life, sees you and he knows you by name. And I just want to encourage you, devote yourself to prayer. Don't panic. Don't stress. My third point for you this weekend is this. Stay faithful in the fight. Stay faithful in the fight. Some of you are in the lion's den right now, and you think God has forgotten about you. You think God has put you in that lion's den to try to hurt you. And you're, you're like, man, God, where are you in my situation? See, Daniel realized two things when he was in that lion's den. He realized that, number one, life is not in my control. And number two, life is never out of God's control. Instead of Daniel looking at the lion's den as defeat, Daniel viewed it as a platform for God to get the glory. And look what happens in verse 19. It says this, The king arose at dawn, at the break of day, and went in haste to the lion's den. When he had come near the den to Daniel, he cried out with a troubled voice. And the king, uh, the king spoke and said to Daniel, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God whom you constantly serve been able to deliver you from the lion's? Then Daniel spoke to the king, O king, live forever. My God has shut the mouths of the lions and they have not harmed me. Come on, give God praise for that. He's with you in the den. He's with you in the lion's den. He remained faithful to God. He devoted himself to prayer. And look what happens. Look what happens. The king makes a decree and the whole kingdom, the whole kingdom started to follow the God of Daniel. What an amazing thing. What the enemy used as defeat, God used it as a platform, as a testimony for him to get the glory. One more story as we close. I'm going to ask the band to come up. We're going to sing this amazing song. There's three guys named Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These are guys that did life together. They were, they were amazing. They sharpened each other. They realized that their crew determines their view. And that's really true about us. That if you hang out with negative people, you're probably going to be negative. If you hang out with positive people, you're probably going to be a more positive person. And they hung out with these guys. They encouraged them. They encouraged each other. And look what Daniel 3.1 says. Nebuchadnezzar the king made an image of gold, the height of which was 60 cubits, and it's width 6 cubits. And he set it up in the plain of Dura, right in the center of the city. So the king makes this huge golden idol of himself. And he's commanding everyone to bow down to this golden statue, this golden idol. And these guys had made up their minds, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that even though things, even if things did not go their way, they would be a-okay because God was with them. They were not scared of the king. They were not intimidated by what everyone else was doing. They were going to live for God no matter what. And so these guys get called before the king, and the king says, why aren't you bowing down? Why aren't you worshiping? And this is what the response is, is in Daniel 3.16. It says this, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to give you an answer concerning this matter. If it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the furnace of blazing fire, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But even if he does not, 
Let it be known to you, O king, that we are not going to serve your gods or worship the golden image you have set up. And so what happens is these guys get thrown into the fiery furnace. The Bible says that the king turned up the heat seven times. Some of you are in a situation right now where the heat has been turned up seven times. And the Bible says the heat is so hot, so strong, that the guards that threw Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in burned and died. That's how hot this fire is. And in verse 24, Nebuchadnezzar, the king, was astounded, stood up in haste and said to his officials, wasn't there three guys in the fire? I now see four guys in the fire and one looks like an angel. Yes. And he calls them out, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, come out out of there. And they come out and they didn't even smell like smoke. They were preserved because they were faithful to God in the fire. Stay faithful to God. Stay faithful to God in the fire when life gets tough. But I want you to know, when you have Jesus, you're going to make it. When you have Jesus, you're going to make it. Sometimes that's all you have to cling to in the fire, in the fight, in the waiting seasons, in the unexpected. When you got Jesus, you're going to make it. Stand all across this place today. We're going to close out with this amazing song. And I believe God's going to break down some strongholds today because some of you have been in, in, in captivity, bondage for so long in your, in your situation. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to play this song. But I want to recognize those in the room who are in, who are in the fire right now, who are in the fight. And you're fighting for your life. Maybe you're in a custody battle. Maybe you're in a fight for your marriage. Maybe it's your job. You're in a fight. And you're just, God, where are you? I need you. I need you. Maybe for some of you today, you're in the waiting season. And you're waiting for God to answer you and come through for you. You've been waiting for a long time. You're questioning God. You're questioning your faith. And you're about to give up to quit I want you to, to remember that one day you'll walk out on the other side with a testimony even when you can't see it or feel it God is working in your life he's with you Ezekiel says the hand of the Lord was upon me from the very beginning he is with you he knows you by name he's called you and maybe for some of you you're in a life season right now that's unexpected unexpected season of life someone died and you're like, man, I don't know where I'm going to go from here. You're going through a divorce and you're trying to say, this is not what I expected. Maybe your addictions have gotten so much. You're like, this is not what I expected. Maybe your job, you lost your job and you're trying to wonder, man, how am I going to provide? It's not what I expected. And maybe you're in the fight. And I want, because I really believe God wants to break down some strongholds today. And I want you to say, if, if that's you today, if you're struggling in the waiting season, you're struggling in the unexpected, you're struggling in the fight, in the furnace, the heat's been turned up seven times, and you're questioning, God, where are you? I need resurrection power to come into my situation. Can you just lift your hand all across this place? Can you just lift it? Come on, lift them up real high. I want to see them. Come on, lift them up. All Hands going all across this place. Stay faithful. Stay faithful. 
I'm going to ask you guys to do something very bold and courageous because I believe there's going to be something that's going to happen miraculous here today. If you're saying that's me and you have your hand raised and you're like, I need God to come through for me. I need God to be providing for me in my waiting season, in my unexpectations. Come on, if that's you, I want you to come down to the front right now. Come on down to the front. I want to just come on down because we believe in prayer. We believe that the greatest weapon that we have is prayer. Come on down. There's so many hands being raised. Come on. Make a declaration of faith today that you're going to step out and you're saying, God, I'm going to trust you in my season. I'm going to trust you in the unexpected. I'm going to trust you in the fight. I'm going to trust you, God, in the waiting seasons of life. Some of you guys, you've been waiting for so long. You're in so much pain and you're just, God, where are you? Come on down. There's so much room. Come on down here, guys. I want to pray with you. Come on. Come on down. There's people coming down all across this place. Stay faithful. 